So, all that fuss and it's over in a flash. The mad dash for presents, turning your kitchen upside down for hours over a glorified chicken dinner. The panic over the batteries that we forgot to buy and the indigestion. Oh, and the fights. Don't forget the fights. Yeah, the fights are an essential, integral part of Christmas. And isn't Christmas just wonderful? But of course, despite the madness, it is a lovely time of year for many people. Made all the better for the fact that we have a special episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast for you today, which features some of our favourite bits from the year. A selection box of best bits, if you will. Another amazing lineup of guests in 2022. Funny moments, deep and meaningful moments, some, and just downright silly moments, too. Too much to choose from, but here's a few of the guests and moments we enjoyed the most. Hope you enjoy them, too. Did you do one about porn as well? No. Did you not? Was that something that was, I'm, See, I confuse you sometimes. I'm yeah. thinking of ones that Louis Theroux might have done. Yeah. Was no, that Dottie or Louis no, Theroux? No, they wouldn't allow me doing the porn ones, you know. <laughs> yeah. Because, well, well, see, I was coming up, but I see, and I was talking to him about it one time, and I said, look, we have all the Irish phraseology for it and everything, you know. So, like, Bud Brega. Oh, God, here we yeah. go now. This is where Dottie does that. Yeah. Now, Bud Brega, folks, this is brilliant. Yeah. Bud Brega. Okay, so bre- Bud, bre- break it uh, up. Bud yeah. is the Irish word. Well, I wouldn't want to break it up, but <laughs> Bud is the Irish word for penis. Penis, yeah. Bud. Right. And Brega. Brega, like Bregon. Bregon. Toy. Toys, yeah. So a toy penis. Toy penis. Oh, yeah. my God. There we have it, yeah. It's Bud a vibrator. Break, a vibrator, yeah. A vibrator. Yeah, Mo vibrator. Mo a vibrator. A vibrator. And then there was another one. Then there was a fella t- told me years ago that he. Bud Brega, folks. Bud Brega. The next yeah. one, then, a fr- a f- I won't say a friend of mine, he got the Bula Boss one night after being out. The Bula Boss? Yeah. Well, that's the, the clap, right? The clap. Oh. <laughs> Stop! He got me! Yeah. He got yeah. the Bula Boss. The, yeah. That's Tony Fenton's land, that is. <laughs> oh, dude. Sorry, now you're in Tony Fenton territory. If only he was still alive, he goes, Dude, did you hear about Liam? So no. He got the Bula Boss. <laughs> yeah. And say, I know another friend of mine, a female friend, and she doesn't like getting them, but she got a, a picky on Vicky. A picky on Vicky. Yeah. A picky on Vicky. A picky. Picky? No. A dick pic. <laughs> A picky on Vicky. A picky on Vicky. Oh, Jesus Christ! It, it just That's shows great. like when the Irish language is changing, yeah. it's still allowed. So that was one of the that was one of the points we have. Like, say, I'd sit down with a few friends sometimes. We start coming up with these well, it's, it's, terms. It, like. Exactly, but I mean, all these Irish words, a lot of these Irish words, they use. They're kind of. Um, they're kind of descriptive descriptive but functional <laughs> yeah, as they well are, they, yeah, so yeah. for example they do what they say on the tin yeah. so for example a bat in Irish is not called a bat yeah. I think it's called a, a skihan lahra yeah. yeah. which is leather wings leather wings yeah, that's all yeah, it is yeah, yeah. so like you know uh, and uh, the, so one of the Irish words for an owl is a count cut which means a cat's head. But if you see it in the dark, yeah. all you see is it a cat's head. It looks like a like, cat's yeah. head. So they're very descriptive, but they were yeah. always like that. And the language was always very functional like that. But when you come into 2022, you need to come up with stuff like Picky on Vicky and Umbola Boss. And, and the clap. Yeah, they're all sexually kind of <laughs> orientated. They are, yeah. for are you some... sure you didn't do the porn no, one? <laughs> it's on the floor somewhere. <laughs> 
along along with my dignity. Oh Jesus, picky on Vicky. That is, I love, I love that one. But you got me on the Bula Boss because I knew what the Bula Boss was, and I was there like, oh, Tram and that's what he was talking about all along. The Bula Boss. Yeah. The whole audience had the Bula Boss. Yeah. The whole audience. Give them the Bula Boss, there, folks. They had the port on. What's the port on? The crabs. How did this go? Oh from? my God. Oh my God. Dahi. Very good. Very good. So I can tell you as a female broadcaster, they happen all the time. Well, this is what I wanted uh, to ask you about. So. And they, and they, and sometimes they don't, um, they don't get published. I mean, I got a really, really nasty complaint sent to management, uh, to the FM management. And they had to respond to this man. Really nasty. Um, it was saying that I, the broadcast on such and such a date on the exact time, uh, they were so disgusted and they switched off the station and they would never listen again <clears throat> because I'd mentioned I had my period that day, right? So it was, and it was said in a, it was true, I did, but it was said in a jokey tone in that I'd had such a rotten day. All these things had happened to me, okay? And, you know, you're, you're, you're telling this story because you know it's also happened to lots of other people on that particular day. And it was just... I can't remember the specifics, but it was like, you know, couldn't get into the car parking space. Kids were late getting to school. This happened, that happened, this happened, that happened. And then I got my period. I mean, it's just like, what a Monday or what a Tuesday, mm. whatever it was. And uh, this man sent in this awful letter. And I was so annoyed because during the time we had four ads running on my show every day for weeks on end for medication for erectile dysfunction, right? Which is absolutely grand. There's medication for it, get it treated, there you go. That affects X amount of men, okay? But mm. periods affects half the population and <laughs> I just mentioned it and I was getting a complaint. Mm. And and so I asked, I asked management, can you please put that in to, to the response back? You know, that, oh, so it's okay for ads to run four times during the same show about erectile dysfunction yeah. but it's not okay for the broadcaster to say yeah. for the period so which just, is, just just nail this down though for a second sorry for asking a stupid question what was the complaint about the complaint was about that I mentioned I had my period and which made him think he that? was about to have his lunch and it was so disgusting he was saying that's disgusting he was so disgusting that he was having his lunch and that just to hear that being said at lunchtime was so disgusting mm. um and that was it. Okay, I mean, no. I, did, I, I wasn't, I wasn't describing anything, you know, flow levels. It was, it was, it was and, and to top it all off, I got my period today. It's that not a daily it. item, like. No, it wasn't. That's <laughs> or a monthly was, item. You know, I, no, it wasn't. It was just, that's, that's what was said. Um, so yeah, it was very bizarre, really upsetting, but I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't. Uh, post about that but there's there's lots lots of yeah. lots of those things well yeah so the other thing I think I think Pamela was telling me about this as well uh, because she, when she was on the podcast is that these I mean again I can't imagine how this happening to me or Ian Dempsey or Matt Cooper <laughs> but these propositions these kind of mm. um, you're not bad looking would you fancy yes. kind of, do you, did yeah. you get any of this so I I, I I get that all the time I never ever I don't even know if I want to say this. Stuff. I never get dick pics. Thank God. Never. It's never happened. I think I'm just... You're saying that as if to say I don't you know want other people who have them. Oh God, yeah. loads of people Sorry. have got them. Sorry. I think I'm just... Um, so I'd say like my male following is probably just a little bit older. Maybe they're not, you know, they, 
they never really did that or they've never gotten into Unfortunately, that. Unfortunately, most of them are suffering from erectile <laughs> dysfunction. And they're listening, they were listening to the show. <laughs> but um, I would have, I would get things all the time from men like, um, you know, I like your hair longer, you know, when yeah. I put it, when I cut it into a bob uh, or um, I think you wear too much makeup. Yeah. Like these. Fuck that. I, I've said these. Oh I've sent these to the Fitness Family WhatsApp group. I don't want to go Callan getting yeah. so annoyed. He's yeah. like, who the fuck is your man? <laughs> I know. Uh, who else is on the line? Oh, Blind Boy Boat Club is on the line. Blind Boy. Sorry, say hello to Blind Boy. Blind Boy, how are you doing? Hi, David. This is Blind Boy. I believe I'm doing your doggy book festival. You are. <laughs> this is your chance to plug yourself. Go ahead. Blind Boy, it's Doggy Book Festival. You're starring Saturday night, the 19th, and it goes from the 14th, 5th, 16th to the 19th. That's great. Of June. Now, doggybookfestival.org. We have a little bit of a problem. How will a man from Limerick who wears a bag over his head go down in Doggy? With great ease. Really? Will they accept me? They'll embrace you. Will they? David, will they not look at me as a function... Is this Enya shit in the back that gets me? <laughs> will they not look at me as a function of economic inequality, David? <laughs> um, Eddie Hobbs is on the line. Say hello to Eddie. Eddie. Hi, David. How are you? Fine, Eddie. How are you? First of all, say thank you, David. Say thank you. Thank you. Th- you're welcome. You're welcome for me backing away from the celebrity economist... economist Okay. Leaving it all to yourself. I had 60% of it. You had 40%. I went away. Now you have the full 95. I know what you're going to say. My numbers are a bit off. They always have been. Now, David, the second thing I want to alert you to is I know you're a big fan of crypto. So I'm introducing the new Hob coin. It's coming out next week. It's already shot up in Russia, out through Crimea and out through the back door in Turkmenistan. They're going mad for it out there. Johnny Logan even has some. And Enya has bought some as well. <laughs> Sorry, Jim Corr. Jim Corr is on the line. Say hello. Jim, how are you doing? All right, David. It's great to hear your voice, but there is a new world order being created in Davos, and I would like you to reveal yourself as the lizard you are, the lizard of Dawkey Town. You have revealed yourself as one of the masters of the universe. The cores have known about you all along and uh, we'd like you to admit that you are in fact a lizard. Jim, it's a pleasure. <laughs> That's brilliant. Okay, I've got to fly. You're extremely sleazy. <laughs> <laughs> David, you're not finished yet. David, quick fire, right? I know you don't do go, quick fire. Go, go, go. Yeah, go, go. yeah. Is there a recession coming and if so, when? Uh, probably, but I can't really say. Okay. Buy a house now or wait? Wait. Hmm. Should we invest in crypto or gold? Neither, but definitely avoid crypto like the plague. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's a joke, is it? It is a joke. Is it really? Yeah. 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 Who will be the next richest person in the world? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe, you know, when I leave and go on the lecture. <laughs> Myself and Musk. Musky, musky. Musky, chabawamba. 
Something good related to football. That was just a note from Patrick. You love football. You're going to play some today. I'm actually, that's why I've run out. I'm, I've got to go up to UCD. Well, at this stage, it's not really playing. I kind of go in goals and shout around in the back. Yeah, you're a good footballer. You have a dirty, filthy tackle on you as well. Very filthy. You've got to be filthy. Filthy. <laughs> Tony Fenton. I remember right. Tony Fenton. We played. Watch, watch out for McWilliams. He's got a filthy tackle. <laughs> and I mean, what about a soccer? Hey, dude, stop cracking the jokes. <laughs> uh, and then you did. You put the boot in, studs up and everything. And Gotta be camping. Yeah, you're still doing that. Around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah oh, absolutely. <laughs> you're vicious. Exactly. David, I really enjoyed that. Thanks, man. It was a pleasure. It was great. Thank Cheers. You. Thank you. That was a great. Quick. That was a hoot. Quick, quick. But a good one I have, which always goes down, is the Kardashians. I've interviewed a few of those. Mm. And Chloe Kardashian, I interviewed um, for a makeup brand that she had. And when I walked in, I had a black jumper on. And on the front of it, said something like take it easy or it wasn't a brand it wasn't a logo and I had my cameraman there who was going to film our interview but they had their camera crew there who was filming keeping up with the Kardashians so uh, they said to me I just signed my life away of course you're part you know this Mm. but they said to me take the jumper off and I said I can't take the jumper off I'm not not underneath the jumper (laughs) and they said uh, yeah well that's branding and I was like it's not it's not Adidas it's not Nike it's none of those and they were like well you got to turn it around so I had to turn the friggin jumper around with the neck of it up here and you know when you meet a Kardashian you style your outfit right (laughs) and you're you're there with the jumper back to front you you know yeah So um, anyway, while I was interviewed, when when we started, um, her camera crew were there, but she had two guys standing underneath her with a tray. And I just, I copped it with this gorgeous Hollywood light shining up on her. So it's like, nice one. So she's there all looking beautiful. And we start and she says, hi, and the light's on her. And my camera turns around to me for me to ask a question. Back to front the jumper. fucking light didn't move. Yes. So it was like heaven and hell. So when, when the camera was on her, it was like, wow, look at this no, it's there. angelic beauty. It's there. And then, oh, there's yeah. the devil with hi. your accent. That voice that you do. Hi, it's great, to, hi it's great to meet you. Camera goes back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm the devil with the back to front jumper on. With a kebab. <laughs> oh, dear. But, um, but yeah, and... As she taught me a few lessons as the when we were finishing the interview, I said, can I get a photo with you, Chloe, you know, to say we did this interview, you know, to promote it. Mm. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And my camera was taken by one of her crew and they said, we'll take the photo. Mm. So they took the photo and they saw that I had taken a few photos of the setup beforehand and they examined the photos to make sure they were okay. But just as they went to take the photo, the two of us were standing together and she just stood out a little bit. The focus went on her face. I'm in the the dark again in the background. I was like, Jesus, you really learn from these Kardashians. They they just use every trick. Yeah. Yeah, so she just upstaged you at every opportunity. Well, it was all about her, but you know know, yourself. (laughs) <laughs> Jesus, good. And did you ever? Um, did you ever? This is a bit of a sexist question now. Yeah. Well, actually, it's not really, but but because it's twenty twenty two, it probably is a bit of a sexist question. Go on. But um, uh, did you ever interview? Um, did you ever interview a male star and not think much of it beforehand, and then you meet them and you go, "Fuck, Love they're him. attractive." Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think who Like that you never That it kind of hits you by surprise It might not necessarily be like Brad Pitt or something Yeah, no, I never got to meet him Unfortunately Right Only his his cousin Arm You were obviously What, you too? His cousin Arm Arm Pitt Arm Arm. (laughs) (laughs) Like seriously, Mario I am just getting absolutely (laughs) rinsed here 
I'm just getting rinsed. Um, um, no, but see, yeah, so uh, you would have loved to have met um, Brad Pitt, obviously. Yes, but, um, I didn't. Um, yeah. But who, was there somebody that you met that you went, Jesus, I could see why do they... Do you know, I was kind of disappointed. Mm, go ahead, that's who I liked, yeah. I fancied a lot, and then mm. I met him, was Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. And um, I did an interview afterwards and I said that I was kind of unimpressed. Believe you me, he saw that interview. He didn't. He saw that interview. He Googled his own name. The net and where else his PR team, because they checked me out. And when I was standing on a red carpet and he came all the way up and he spoke to everyone before me. And just as he got to me, he put this smile on his face and I said, hey, Matthew. And I asked him some stupid question and he went, ask her and walked on oh, and I was just like he dissed you. whoa what the and I was like it must have been that interview bongo, but they bongo, do they bongo. look up every, you know as you know yeah. but uh but Roddy you do, so I just said your, your age you come home too old you you look really young you have great, great head of hair on you and it's not and it's real I can tell by the and roots it's not dyed. and it's not dyed I can yeah. tell that because it's and you've, you're in great nick what age are you 62 oh man August. you're in good nick yeah what do you do to keep in such good nick um, everything in Excess, right? <laughs> Loads of organic red wine, yeah, every night. Um, walking around town, You're walking around, town. laughing as much as I can, yeah, not getting stressed out, yeah, and having to crack and trying. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not Mother Teresa figure, yeah, but if I go to bed at night and I've done a little good turn, even do you know what I love? Mm. Walking around town, meeting tourists that are lost, yeah, I love it, yeah, and bringing them, not telling them where the destination is, bringing them. And it's a small team, but it's brilliant. I love bits like that, you know. Yeah. But uh, other than that, no. Yeah, You're I look great. I know I look great. Well, I was do. in a pub. No, let me talk. Mm-hmm. No, let me talk. I was in a pub, right? Mm-hmm. Slatteries of Cape Street. And I was polished up in a lovely suit. Walked up to the counter. <laughs> I had a pint of glass skins for me and Carolyn. This fellow was good for you on him. Big fella. Looked down his nose at me and went, Roddy Constance says, yeah. He says, yeah, you look great. I says, I know I do. He says, you're always a big-headed fucker. Straight away. <laughs> straight away. That's said. Ireland. That's Dublin. And I went, I know. I was only having the crack one. He gave it to you and then he took it away. He, oh, he built me up and cut me right down in mm. seconds. Mm. And I've been down that road many a time in my life. Yeah, many yeah, a time. Built yeah. up to the top, cut down. Fella done it to me once. Rang me up on a, on a conference call from a garage in Dorsestry. Pretended he was Steve Coppola, manager of a Premier League club. Mm. I was playing for Mansfield Town. And he offered me a deal. He said he'd agreed 200 grand with the club. And I was going home that weekend. And I said, I'm not going home. I'm coming straight down to London to meet you. No, no, you go home. Uh, have your weekend. Come straight to London. Pick out a house. Carla's running around doing somersaults in the house. <laughs> I'm picking out four coats for her. And then he says, when you're in Dublin, will you tell Paddy O'Connell thanks for your phone number? And I didn't know what was going on. Carla grabbed the phone. Is that you, Pat? Yeah, bastard. He had me Premier League wind up with your voiceovers, right? Back on the floor and the old journeyman again within oh, seconds. Man. But I done it to Carlin with the lottery. You what? I, my, my wife Carlin with Yes, the what's this story? I bought the ticket for the for the, the Wednesday coming of the, the numbers, right? The night before. Hit the ticket, said to Carlin, I dreamt about three numbers, which I did. They were on there. Carlin come down, found the ticket. Jesus, Rod. Don't go anywhere. What? Put the teletext on. Oh, Jesus, no. I had to win another three and a half minutes. <laughs> so I was ready to tell her. And I went, I'll leave it for a minute. Oh, Jesus. Then it got worse. It's got all the kids up. Oh. It has had to win the lot. <laughs> right? Then they're all out shouting on the road. Then it was getting too too bad to retrieve at this stage. So I jumped in my car and went training. 
I remember sitting there at a railway crossing to, to wait for the train to go by and the tears rolled down my face with fear, not laughter. Fear. Oh, How am I going to tell her? 20 minutes around, boy, got to me mate's house, collecting him to go train. We're in Caroline, ask where am I? How are you, Caroline? Ricky McAvoy was. How are you, Caroline? How are you, Ricky? He told me not to tell anyone. We're doing this three and a half minutes. Ah, oh, that's great. I'm not getting involved in that one, Rod. He says, there's a party in the house, and there was. Everyone was in. Our sisters, oh, sisters shit. five sisters, three brothers, they arrived within a half an hour. No. Full blown party, and I couldn't retrieve it. And I got to the, I got to the train and oh, come Roddy. back. And then Stephen, being Stephen, always cautious, showed me that ticket. Caroline, that's next Wednesday's ticket. Oh, Jesus, Roddy. Well, we with friends that left within minutes, right? And <laughs> I didn't win. No, Mario, and this is true, and yeah. I mean this. I'm glad I didn't win it. I'd have been a million in debt because Caroline was buying everyone a house, paying for your wedding, <laughs> paying for your honeymoon. We sat down three days later when Caroline came around to my practical joke and took me back into the big bed. <laughs> we had a laugh. But yeah, but there you go. That's life. Come here, now I'm yeah, done. Yeah. Now I'm done. Racing How long have you been doing on, on the TV now, the, the morning? I moved to mornings last September. Okay, and Tommy Bow? Tommy Bow will have been there two years right. in September. And so is it you and Tommy kind of? As me, a, Tommy and Alan. Um, and so we were Googling at the AM show, you know. Go and, on. And, oh, yeah, yeah. So um, one of the things was um, Dan- the Daniel O'Donnell. There was a Daniel O'Donnell thing in yeah. a bedroom or something. Yeah. That what was, was that? Tell me about that. Uh, so this week, if, if you've ever had the pleasure of doing a Zoom with Daniel O'Donnell, find a way to do that because it is utterly delightful and insightful because the Daniel that you saw in Room to Improve right. is the Daniel you see as he's trying to set up a Zoom. Yeah. And he is going and it's on his phone and he can never make the phone stand up. And he's like, oh, for God's sake. And we were like, well, he's definitely not in the house in Tenerife. That's a, that's a really big room. How big is the house in Tenerife? This is amazing. And then we're like, oh, God, he didn't even make the bed. And we're like, Daniel, are you? Where are you? And he's like, I'm in a hotel room. You could room. see this bed in the background. Massive bed. Yeah. And we could see a suitcase. And he's like, oh, I'm in a hotel room in, in Belfast. Mm. We went, all oh, right, we can see the bed there. And next thing... <laughs> Next thing, Magella just pops up. Hello, <laughs> and we're like, "Oh, there's someone. In, there's, there's somebody there's, in the bed." Because we were going to say, "Will you straighten out the duvet?" Yeah. And then he's trying to set up. Everyone is losing. So this is during the ad break. Yeah. Everyone is losing. He's like, "I don't know how to make this. I don't know what to say." And Magella, this won't stand up for me. What's going on? Yeah. She's asleep. She's like, "Oh, for God's sake, Daniel!" And then um, we were like, "Okay, well, do you want Magella to be in the shot?" He was, "Ah, Magella, move there, will you?" God. And she moves to the other side so she's not in the shot. And then we do the whole interview and we're like, Dan, we know that Magella is in the room or whatever. And he just goes, she is, yeah, picks up the phone and just puts it on her as she's fast asleep in bed. And she pops up again and she's like, how are you lads? You're fine. Don't worry about it. I love it. They're amazing. Yeah. They are brilliant human beings. I love them. Well, first of all, thank Jesus it was Magella. <laughs> and... <laughs> I, I mean Jesus and thanks and, and in fairness to him then you have to you have to give him credit for his relaxation he is I don't think people realise how chill that man is mm. and how funny he is he is incredibly he's mm. an incredibly funny man you know the way um, on this show the not show I always call it shows now this podcast there are people listening in live and we get calls every so often from people that are maybe in yeah. their cars or whatever so, yeah, so yeah, but yeah, is yeah. it okay if you interact with them I'm, I'm really looking forward to this you, well Daniel's on the line I, it, I knew I, I was like the, I was there going I was like well it can't be Vincent Brent no, say, well, say I'm hello assuming to Martin's going to pop up no, in a say hello to him hi Daniel how are you how are you doing Mern? Oh God, it's great to hear you now. And I'm on the road back into Kincasla 
And I was wondering when that would come up about the old bed and me turning on the the yoke and everything. And thanks for being so sensitive about it and, and saying I'm good crack and everything. I was just wondering, though, yeah. would you be able to give me access to that footage? <laughs> we weren't able to record it on Zoom. I'll tell you why. It's because the guys from OnlyFans were on and they were wondering. <laughs> I was thinking of joining and they were saying we could have a weekly item. Who's in bed with we, Daniel? I'll be charging 89 euro a pop. So would you ask the lads in? Oh, well, and it'll well, be, where are you now, Virgin? It'll, it'll be Magella every time. That's it'll the be Magella every time. It'll be Magella every time, Daniel. Every time it'll be Magella, but the titillating part of it will be Will it be Magella? And what bed? And what will be happening in the bed? Now, so you'll, you'll give us access, will you? I, I will give you whatever you want, Daniel. The old footage. Whatever you, you want the footage of yourself. I'm just rubbish. In bed with Daniel, you know, in, in bed with Madonna. In, in, that's right. Well, in bed with we, Daniel. Who's it going to be this week? Is Tommy Bow available, by the way? 100%. 100% for you, Would he be up for it? For you, absolutely Would he be I'll up give for you, it? I'll give you a loan Flattening down the old covers And it's Tommy <laughs> <laughs> That'd put a stop in his tracks <laughs> But Jesus, he's great on the telly He's great at handling situations Just when things go up Belly up Tommy's there <laughs> He is Tommy to the right You lo- Sorry, in fairness I'm talking about that little incident, wasn't I? That was great Ten siblings. Yeah, that was brilliant. That was amazing. Was I funny. think it's the that, best exactly. thing I've ever. It can only seen go in my well from. Explain that for I the listeners. If they don't I, know. Okay, so um, I wasn't on the show at this stage, and I was starting a few weeks later. And uh, Tommy was talking to uh, Seamus O'Reilly, who is an excellent writer uh, from Northern Ireland, from Derry, and. Um, he was talking about his memoir, and it starts in the read, and it says, oh, "Can you, we we can put this in?" And it was like, um, and next we talked to a writer whose mother died, who's um, who has ten siblings, and Tommy says, ten siblings whose mother died." <laughs> so this is the intro read. Ten siblings. I swear to God, someone had that sent to me five minutes after yeah. it happened, and I've never laughed so much. Like as in bosses inside in Virgin Media were going, "This is this is amazing. This is like they couldn't stop watching it. They were like, oh my god, this is this is fantastic.'" Yeah, because if if it was comedy writing of the highest caliber, if you know, it would have been put into you know this time with Alan Partridge I, I or just something. Feel like I feel like he's seen it. I feel yeah. like Steve Coogan has seen that. You know, what are those problems, Rory? Spell them out to me. Well, there's lots of problems uh, in terms of that issue. You know, and you really feel for, you know, young people, and they're not so young as well. They're people in their 30s. They're people in their 40s. The millennial generation who are stuck living at home. And and I've talked to many of them in my own podcast as well. um, And where, you know, one in particular, Rob, who's uh, in the book as well, um, who talks about, you know, coming home. He's, a, he's in his 30s, mid-30s, talks about coming home. And he goes, I can't even put my feet up when I come home because it's my parents' house. My mom will tell me, get your feet off the, the couch, you know. But like something as basic as that, you know, I can't come home and throw my bag on the ground and go, I'll pick it up later. I know, you know. But, you know, they're, they're simple things. And then, of course, it goes to, as he says himself, and, and the surveys show that people say they feel infantilized. You know, they feel yeah. that um, they're not going to be treated like a full adult I know. by their parents until they can get their own home. And and even I was struck last Christmas. And I also was, their own self-image. They're not, they're, they're not, they're not uh, behaving like a full adult. Absolutely. Full adult. 
Absolutely. And, uh, you know, people are, are critical of these, you know, the snowflake generation and, you know, millennials. And I just think there's, you know, they've, there's no understanding of what they're living for, through. You know, how, you know, in terms of even commitment to society, commitment to work, I think there's big questions about how do you look at society and say, what should I contribute when I can't even get a frickin' home of my own at 35 years of age? No wonder they're emigrating. You know, and they are emigrating in increasing numbers, which is a loss to our country. Um, and I disagree with Michael Noonan and many of the uh, politicians' uh, idea that that's ah, OK. And as we have done, as I write in the book as well, throughout our history, it's been a, a terrible thing that we have done is generation after generation. We have used the, uh, the exodus as a way to take the political pressure valve off, you know, pushing for change. But that, that you know, we, we've allowed our younger generations go because we haven't fixed our social problems and in the past it was the lack of jobs now it's the lack of homes and it's it's very difficult for for young adults and not so young adults living at home like one of them described like she said you know at 25 been told uh, or been asked did you brush your teeth yeah. it's not exactly where you want to be no and and it gets better of course in, you know in the most uh, important levels of our lives in our relationships you know the, and um, intimacy and intimacy yeah you know how do you have a relationship how do you um, again you know they were saying that you know how do you bring someone home to uh, even to develop the relationship where's your space where's your time your ma or da your brother or your or sister or into you going oh who's this and uh, tell us about you will you and where are you from and what are you doing and, and what if you want to have sex Rory what if you want to have sex you know it's like it's very funny because it, well it's not funny in it is funny, but uh, that's what I said. I've said it's it's bittersweet. I mean, it is absolutely it's, it's bittersweet. Absolutely yeah, there was. Uh, I was saying this to my students um, in my class. We were chatting about it yesterday, the the housing policy class, and I was saying I was asking them to listen to to some of the the podcasts and where people are talking about their experiences. And uh, one of them said, actually, I was a, a mature student said, oh, I was at a match the other day uh, with my my kids, and one of the parents was like, I went home the other day, and my twenty two year old was I caught them in the shower with their girlfriend. And uh, and she was going like she of course was thinking in her head this is the housing crisis but he was just going what the hell what are you doing twenty two year old like at twenty two what were we doing you know I was renting a property you know I was having relationships and at twenty two now you can't even have sex in the shower for fear your parent is going to walk in yeah you know and in a funny sort of way although we have progressed so much as a society and for example with our attitudes to LGBT the LGBT community and to transgender and our progressive ideas we've actually gone backwards by a couple of hundred idea- years as well in the sense that now you can't even have sex with somebody when you're 22 exactly in your it own is, home I, I'd say that we have had a sexual liberation yeah. thankfully and now a sexual and now repression nowhere to, nowhere, nowhere to do it yeah. <laughs> you know that's it like. all dressed up with nowhere to go all dressed up with nowhere to go yeah. so all fur and no knickers <laughs> well knickers are not you know whatever yeah. you're into so quickly tell me how did you and Dermot get together? Because actually, as far as I understand, it was like a boy band. It was, <laughs> it was, it was one of the weirdest things. And particularly, I, I didn't, at the time, I didn't think it was too weird because I had no reference point for it. But having worked in radio now for as long as I have, I realised how absolutely insane this was. So a breakfast show on 98FM lost their jobs due to ratings. As happens, you wouldn't know about it. You and Ian are full of proof. <laughs> it happens with some radio shows. So they lost their, their jobs and... The radio station was in that period of hiatus where they went, okay, put someone in while we find someone. So they got the brilliant Robbie Fogarty, who's still working on radio today, and they put him in as a holding plane because he, he had the 10 to 1 show. It's like, leave Robbie where he is, we'll find another breakfast show. But instead of 
kind of retracing the, the 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 steps that they had taken before and finding people either that had that were on another radio show doing breakfast on another radio station or taking the guy from one to three and bringing it. They went, let's just find new people. Now, this was a brave move mm. back in 2002. Mm. But they, they had a guy working in, in the station doing news, a little bit of comedy, and the odd weekend shift, his name was Dermot Whelan. And they saw some potential in the guy. Who knew? Um, but they decided they needed somebody to work with them. So they went and they hired somebody externally to go and head the clips of him reading the news. I don't. It'd be fun to play on your show. It would be. Although we're, we're so kind of paranoid about any of the stuff we did early doors that we're like, even with the 20th anniversary show and the team are gone, do you have any audio? No audio. No, nothing. <laughs> no, nothing from those okay, days. Okay, go on. Um, but so anyway, it was him. So it was him. And then this woman was hired who had nothing to do with the radio station, but she was hired to find talent out there like a boy band like like now she didn't put out the call and we didn't go for auditions but I had just as part of the kind of anyone who's ever worked freelance will know as part of money making you'll do whatever you can because you might get one great job in February and not get another great job until September and in the middle you need to make money so one of the things I used to do when music wasn't paying an awful lot of money was I would record demos of voiceovers for comedians actors you know, anyone who wanted to do it. And I would put them together with some library music, send them off with a three-minute demo, and they'd go down to an agency, try and get signed up, and then they'd get an ad or whatever. And I was working on a... Uh, I did a musical, a rap musical, of the political history of Ireland with Des Bishop. Ah! And we... I, re- I did all the music, and, and uh, Des and Arthur Reardon. Yes. The actor. Yes, he played Dev. Yes, he played Dev, Exactly. Um, and he he and Des did all the politics and I did all the music and we wrote the lyrics and everything together so anyway we did the show and we did it in Dublin and we did it in Limerick and possibly Galway anyway one of the nights we were out and Des was saying to me he's like hey, Dave you should you should be doing voiceovers why are you not doing voiceovers you make them, I'm, I got 500 quid last week for doing all-. I was like I don't know anything about voiceovers he's like yeah, you just gotta make a demo and, and then get an agent I was like how the hell am I gonna get an agent and he goes this guy's the biggest agent. And the guy who was producing the show was a guy called Richard Cook of Lisa Richards. Yes. And he was like, yes, Dave, I'm a voice. I'm, a, I'm an actor's agent. I'll happily take you on. I was like, oh. So I went home, made a three-minute demo. And my thing was silly. So I did cartoon voices, impersonations. Yeah. I speak a few languages. So yeah. I threw in a few different yeah. languages and accents, whatever. Yeah. And it was kind of a stream of consciousness. I just finished. It was three minutes. There was no straight read in it at all. I gave it to him. And he gave it to every studio. Again, this was on CD. This was 2001, 2002. He handed it around to every studio. And he went to Beacon Studios on Bagot Street. And Jerry Gogan, Larry's son, mm. ran Beacon Studios. And Jerry had it on his desk. And he hadn't a chance to listen to it. And a woman came in and said, I'm looking for some new voice talent. And he went, well, I haven't heard this, but it's brand new. <laughs> and he gave her mine. Yeah. She went out, listened to it, went, oh my God, this guy seems funny. And he yeah, seems yeah, like yeah. he's got a bit of talent in him. Let's give him a buzz. Yeah. So rang me on a Monday and said, can you meet me in an hour in town? So I came in and I met her in town. Wouldn't tell me what it was about. Two men joined us about 20 minutes in. Getting and, a swinger vibe off this. Yeah, a Kiwi and a country lad. The Kiwi Big swinger really- vibe, yeah. <laughs> the Kiwi lad was hung like a donkey. He was huge. He was very nice and friendly. The yeah. country lad was... They always quiet. are, Dave. Oh, yeah. it's all, they're the politest people in the world. And then... And then you're thinking, they couldn't be swingers. And then suddenly it's like, get into my Renault Megane. <laughs> so the country lad kept throwing... Rant, like, so we'd be talking about, say, 
your favourite film, you know, be talking about and he'd just go to me, who's the captain of the Dublin football team? Mm. And I'd go, what? Because I was talking about my favourite film. I'd go, I don't know. I don't follow GA. Yeah. So I had an answer, but it mightn't have been the answer he was looking for. Uh, and then they just left. And then I said to the woman, I said, okay, so what's going on here? And she's like, oh, I, I can't tell you, but you've done very well. I'll ring you back. It's like, this was a bit of a weird kind of afternoon. Got a phone call the next day to come in the, the Wednesday. And I went into, a, again, a, st- a recording studio. It was in, um, off Marion Square. And I got, a, a, a at the time, a, a mini disc recorder and a microphone. And they just said, just go out around town and interview people about mm-hmm. Roy Keane and Saipan. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. So I went around. It was that, that had just happened. And I was interviewing people. Went back, gave them my kind of demo. And that was that. Then she rang me again the next day and said, can you come into the Malt House on the Friday? I'd never heard of the Malt House. I'd never heard of Grand Canal Quay. I just didn't even know where it was. Eventually copped on. Uh, this is before Google Maps. We got a map of Dublin, found it. Okay, right, got the train in, walked up. Uh, and got brought into the north block of Malt House. And 98FM was in the south block. But obviously this was in an adjoining office. Walked in a door, much like this room here. And there was a fella in there, a young lad about my age. And when she went, Dave, this is Dermot. Dermot turned around and went, oh, how are you? How's it going? And said, uh, we'll be back in 20 minutes and she shut the door <laughs> and the, I'm sitting there looking at him and he's looking at me and he's like alright I was like yeah, yeah how's it going man what's your, what's your crack he's like oh yeah Dermot I'm from Limerick but I live up here I was like oh I'm Dave I'm from Port Marnock yeah. whatever. and I went sorry do you, do you know what this is yeah. and he went what do you mean I was like, like wh- where are we and he goes this is 98 FM and I was like the radio station right and he's like yeah do you not work in radio I was like I've never I've never, I've never been in a radio station <laughs> it's fascinating and yeah. he's like and straight away he's like, "Oh, you you probably you're probably in the wrong place. Like you should like, and rightly so. He's like, you know, he thinks he's about to get the breakfast show on ninety eight FM. Obviously, with some experience because he's inexperienced, some experienced radio guy, not some guy who's never been in a radio yeah. station. Twenty minutes later, they come back, and we are. I'm not joking. You, we are literally best friends. Right. Like we bonded over an Alan Partridge impersonation. Yeah. Because again, I, he said because I told him the story of how I got here, and I was like, "Oh, I did a few silly impersonations and things on a demo. I did like David Beckham, and I did uh, Alan Partridge." Oh, oh, oh. And yeah. he went, "I love Alan Partridge." Yeah. I went, oh my god! So, and so we literally <laughs> back and forth like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then there's a famous quote in in Alan Partridge, and I remember saying this because I rang my wife, my girlfriend at the time. I rang her, and she was like, "How did you get on? What was it?" It's ninety eight FM. It's it's something to do with radio. She's like, "All right." And so I met this guy, and he's the guy, and I literally said to her in the Alan Partridge quote, I said. I'm convinced he's my best friend because that's what he did to a guy he just met. Yeah. And is that the guy in the, the service station? Yes, yeah. Dan. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Dan. 15. 15 Dan's 15 in a row. Dan's. So literally, we just got on like house on fire. Why don't you like the word hope? Well, I think it's how, the, how words are used and how they become real normal. Even resilience is one that I don't like. Hope, resilience, even trauma. Now people are using trauma in a way without really understanding what trauma is. So somebody, some people will have normal life events and go, oh my God, I have so much trauma from mm. that. And we're like, well, some things are just life events where we mm. have to, you know, adapt process to them. process mm. and da, 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 da. And then there's people that are grown up with experiencing real, real trauma in relation to sexual violence 
violence in relation to mm. domestic violence in relation to poverty all these things mm. that will add to the experiences so I think sometimes we're using words now and they will begin to lose meaning and I think sometimes from a community um, like mine and around the country or minority groups where you only have hope like it becomes like it's like when opium became the religion of the poor and you know religion became the, the opium of the poor as well like and it's like all these things and it's like well what good is it on its own yeah. what good is it if we only have hope That was that's the thing that will keep us alive mm. in the hope that something else is going I to happen I know what you're saying do you know what, do you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of um, do you remember during the pandemic people would come out onto the steps and go and for the for the for the they <laughs> Come on, everybody. Come on, everybody. Let's just cheer all the nurses, shall we? They're doing such a good job on the front line. Send us a leading reward. Let's hear you. Go on. Go on. And you're going, is that all you've got? <laughs> a clap. A clap. And that yeah. reminds me of hope. Yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah. If you want to care about people, Make do something. Action. Action it. Yeah. Action it. Yeah. And I think that's maybe yeah. what you're about. Yeah. So you and say, I, like fuck I, hope, let's yeah, action it. Yeah, and it's like, of course, hope is a nice thing that might keep, but it's also used as a way to keep people in situations, do you know what I mean, without mm. actually revolting. Because if they always have hope, they think yeah. something's going to change, so yeah. they don't revolt. Yeah. They don't then kick up and run against you and That's start right. marching down governments because they're all stuck That's in the right. hope. Like my, the first person that inspired me was a man called Dr. John Bissett, right? Now, he doesn't like putting doctor on the front, so I just do it anyway. But he's from Dolphins Barn, grew up in Dolphins Barn, you know, uh, has a PhD, is one of the most articulate, intelligent men I ever met. And then he's just from the barn. Mm. And that inspired me. Do you know oh. what I mean? So when you have the likes of Mick Lynch, even beyond the very principled approach and the yeah. union stuff, just having his vice. Being smart. It's it being smart, showing that like smartness is not associated with Correct. an accent. And having more of that on TV Correct. actually does help they, with equalising things. They call things. it forelock tugging when yeah. forelock tugging is the idea that you, you you doff the cap to somebody when you hear their accent. So somebody that sounds like this, well, of course, you know, it doesn't really matter what I'm saying because whatever I say, it could be total bullshit, but you'll just go, of course, he's right because he's educated. Yeah, But I get that in the chamber. Exactly. So somebody could have real racist connotations mm. in a speech just before me and nobody even stores around. Yeah. And I get exercised. Yeah. Because I, I, I'm naturally like, you know, when I'm you say loud. You, you, you raise your voice. I raise my yeah. voice. I'm, my working class accent comes mm-hmm. in even stronger if yeah. I'm really passionate about something and it gets louder. And it's and then it's it's like, you know, people would say to me, you're like, you're so aggressive. Mm. Like, you, you were, it looks like you were going to punch the head off someone mm. and all. And I'm like, mm. what? Mm. And they don't care what I'm saying. But the person, say, in a Sioux with a more kind of neutral accent or a different type of accent could have literally had their speech peppered with nothing but racism or misogyny or anything like that and nothing gets said. Yeah. Are you surprised um, by the amount maybe you have been able to have your voice heard and get done is it is it is it less disappointing than you thought it would be I think I'm very privileged in the amount of uh, access I've had to, yeah. to get my message across right do you do you like certain politicians do you feel that yeah. there are good politicians in there I think everyone is inherently good but I think people are shaped by their circumstances and their environments and sometimes it's hard to push them out of that comfort yeah. so I think ultimately everyone is good I kind of am quite <laughs> optimistic about human nature in in a general sense mm. you know and but I think people do need to be held accountable when their bias or their lack of understanding of their impact on other communities needs to be uh, called out as well but I don't think that 
I don't think there's necessarily this kind of binary good and, and bad person. I think sometimes good people are making terrible decisions. Do you know, like if you look at policy, like if you look at housing and policy, not being able to admit that a certain policy doesn't work and then mm. going, we need to we need yeah. to do, do this differently. Like they're very bad decisions. Do you know, like yeah. they're very bad decisions. And they're very bad admitting that they're very bad at admitting that things haven't worked, that exactly. something doesn't work. Yeah. The you most know, the intelligent idea- person, the most, a, a person that really wants to create change and be a leader, like be a political leader or be a, a societal change maker has to be able to admit when they got it wrong yeah. or else they're not a leader. Do you love Vogue and Joanna? I'm, I'd be good friends with Vogue. I'm oh, would you? Time for well, Vogue. Vogue and Joanna are on the line. Oh, Say Jesus, hello. Go on. Okay, how are you? Hi, hi, Glenda. It's Vogue here. <laughs> hi, Glenda. It's Joanna here. Glenda, do you know what? You're a fucking complete ride. You know that? Yeah, you're a total ride. <laughs> Will you come on our podcast, will you? I'd love to. Why don't we just make it a fucking three-way? Yeah, I love three-way. that. Glenda, Fogue and Joan. Just call up my therapist, Glenda and me. Can I call you Glenda as well, yeah? Yeah, no problem. Fucking brilliant. You're amazing. You're great. We love your work. I have loads of your jewellery as Why well. is Vogue in the background a real quiet individual? Why is that her voice? Well, because Glenda, or uh, Joanne, kind of takes, takes calls, over, She does yeah. a Kardashian on me. She's trying to, I'm hell and she's heaven, you know? A bit like yourself and the Kardashians. Shut the fuck up, Vogue, will you? You're such a ride, Glendo. Glendo. Come on, the, come on the podcast. I'd love stage. two girls. Yeah, great. Big fan. Ah, oh, they're great, aren't they? They're touring them. with that now. That's they what you'll have to do. They're, they're, they're a guilty pleasure for me. Miriam O'Callaghan's on the line. Will you, will you oh, say hello to her? Okay, hi, Miriam. Hi, Glenda. Uh, hi. You know, G is for genuinely. <laughs> and I'm really, really, really interested in hearing more. Um, first of all, you're a mom like me. Yes. Um, you've only a quarter of my children, so I think I have eight. Less than a quarter. So you have two, so that's only 25%. So you have another six kids left. That's to go. it, wow. But listen, I loved your idea about starting a podcast. And I thought maybe we could do one together. Yeah, we, kind of, we could compete. G for genuine. There you are. There we go. And we could compete maybe with um, Vogue and Joanne. There we go. So you could do the mommy part, like the Vogue part. And I could have the, the Joanne part where I talk about riding and arses <laughs> and pouring Prosecco. Up Rather you and. than me. Yes. I like Would the sound like of that. that. Yeah. You could t- do the Pampers bit and I could do the riding <laughs> bit. I love it. Brilliant. And we could slag off our husbands. Love it. Uh, is there any particular um, foible that irritates you about Rob? Uh, yeah, loads. But if I was to say it here, I'd, I'd be divorced by the time I'm home. And myself? Yeah, I'll tell you when we're doing our research. When Miriam. we're doing our research for yeah. the podcast. Okay. Yeah. Thanks a million for nothing. Cheers. Lovely to listen back to some of those clips. Hope you enjoyed them. Have a great new year and see you very, very soon.